Welcome back to True Crime Trine. It's a podcast. And three friends <laughs> talk about the planet's aligned. The plant. Fucking hell. <laughs> I wrote the podcast this intro. where the planets align, and three friends talk about true crime, astrology, and any other, what was it? Weird bullshit. Weird, Weird bullshit. Weird bullshit. bullshit. We're off to a good start. <laughs> we are your hosts, Hannah, Sarah, Meredith. Welcome to very special episode 34. And the reason why this is a very special episode is because we have our very first guest. Yay! Yay! Hello. It's a dude. And now yeah. we are now we're actually a square, not a trine right now, but Ooh. we'll make it through. It'll be fine. It's okay. It's a one-off. It happens. <laughs> so when I joined your podcast as a one-off, I stayed on the podcast. But anyway, that is true. That this is, is true. Marty. We've been friends for a long time. I knew him when I lived up in Washington, and then probably last, well, he and some other friends started up their own podcast about three years ago at this point. Yeah, no, just under three. We're, we're coming up, I believe, in March, three years, so it's getting close. So plans are optional, is what the podcast is. Listening's optionals, too. Yeah, I don't so. know if I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's both fun. Sarah and it's I fun. listen to it. <laughs> Uh, and we'll we'll kind of claim that we were the inspiration for True Crime oh, trying to happen. Yeah, this wouldn't have happened without their podcast. For sure. Yeah, I'm a longtime listener of Plans Are Optional. And when they started bringing Hannah on, I just was super excited. So I reached out to Hannah to see if she wanted to talk true crime and drink alcohol while podcasting. And those are two things that Hannah just fucking loves. I know, it was perfect. <laughs> It's one of those times where I was making a joke on the podcast, but it was like 50% true. And I was like, maybe I saw a true crime podcast. And then Meredith sent me a... She was like, no, but really. But do you really want to? And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) So plans are optional is the reason that true crime try and exist. And I'm glad we found Meredith because the main thing holding me back from starting my own podcast was editing. (laughs) (laughs) It's something I've learned to love and hate all at the same time. Editing is the roughest part of any production. I used to do video editing for work and I hated it. So it spends so much time doing it. So for plans are optional, I'm glad I don't have to do it very often. So Meredith, like kudos to you for taking that. That is awesome. And your production is, don't tell Andrew, but way better than ours. (laughs) Andrew would agree, okay? (laughs) You you put in a lot more effort on on things. So, and I've been listening to you guys, you ladies, since uh, the beginning. So I think there's only a few episodes that I haven't listened to. Okay. Um, wow. And Hannah can attest, I do not like true crime. <laughs> like, so what are you doing with your free time listening to this podcast? I know. I support my friends mm. and their endeavors. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that. you support us, so it's uh, it's you know. Fair turn that I turn around and support you. And from that, kind of, I guess that's why I'm here because I've, since True Crime Trying was started, I've been like sending Hannah like crimes of things. Awesome. Of just like bonkers stuff. And so 
that kind of segues, I guess I'll turn it back over to Hannah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just starting to question, Marty, whether you truly do not like true crime. Because you've been very active. <laughs> he's, he's getting into it. <laughs> uh, when, I, when I say I don't like true crime, like, there's certain things. Like, I like the Hannibal series. Oh, yeah, you love that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the show was very... But even that, just the TV show, was too intense for me. Okay. It was very gory, very, like, kind of out there. Like, I couldn't... It wasn't something that I could sit and binge. It just... It did. It wasn't my cup of tea. But I wanted to finish it. Um, I did enjoy the Manhunter. Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. Mindhunter. Man I was film. just going to say that one next. Yeah. Oh. No, it's Manhunter. Oh, wait, what? Manhunter. So, in the Hannibal Lecter films, there's... The first actor to play oh. Hannibal Lecter wasn't Anthony Hopkins. It was... I forget his name, but it's a Michael Mann film, and the guy who plays Gil Grissom from CSI, the original William CSI. William Peterson. Awesome. William Peterson, he plays the Edward Norton character. Oh. Um, Red Dragon. Red Dragon is a remake of Manhunter, oh. and it's that story redone, and and so it it's done, done very 80s, like Michael Mann oh, doing Miami Vice Hell kind yeah. of stuff, and then they did Silence of the Lambs later. Oh. Okay. And so I watched those. I watched Manhunter. I watched the the Silence of the Lambs. I didn't or all of the other ones. I didn't watch uh, Hannibal Rising, prequel movie. But I haven't seen any of them. But I, I like there's some there's some true crime in like films and things like uh, the Bone Collector that I've enjoyed. I won't tried watching Ooh. the Bone Collector on NBC, but I didn't have cable to like finish it. And I can't find it online. So I would say I'm a passing like crime suspense person i like the movie seven you love batman so. all he does is fight i do crime. love batman <laughs> <laughs> he likes action and i i do like the darker batman stuff the the 60s campy okay. stuff mm-hmm. is not my cup of tea but i do like the detective aspect of batman we've so. opposite tasted movies because i like them to be as cheesy as absolutely possible Wait, so then you probably like procedurals too. Um, it depends on the procedural. Okay. So I liked Lucifer. I wasn't a huge CSI fan. Oh, I see. It just depends on, on what it is. I don't sit there and watch uh, Law and Order or SVU or any of those. <gasps> binge SVU. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, now I'm binged Criminal I Minds. I know. But... And Criminal Minds, all that stuff. It's just, it's not my... Marty, I think you might like Mindhunter though. Yeah, it's on my it's, it's not on a my Netflix queue, and it's based on like kind of a true story. It's very good. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah, neat it to is. see like the the process of it all. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. Ah, uh, so yeah, we invited Marty on because he was sending me all of these stories. This was originally going to be all Marty crimes that he sent to me, but I started writing the first one and it got long. So I have. One crime that Marty sent me that's going to be the main thrust of the episode. I, I, I don't want to overhype this case, but when I sent Hannah the case link and I was like, so this happened and then this happened <laughs> and then this happened oh, and then this happened. And she's like, this is amazing. <laughs> we need to do this. I I'm hope stoked. my script doesn't like take out some of the hype, but we'll see. I'm excited. And Marty also came with gifts. Yeah. He's the most prepared guest we've also ever had. Oh my gosh. Yes. So we're going to yeah. have two different cocktails that will put the recipe on the website that you can pair with this episode. Marty, you want to go into those? 
Yeah. So uh, the well, the reason why we have cocktails for this, because um, I believe you you ladies were doing dishes or side drinks or anything at the very beginning. We were. It's kind of falling off <laughs> that, a little bit. That definitely fell off. <laughs> um, I, I keep finding something to put on the website. <laughs> but the case involves a restaurant, right? Mm. And so with that, my niece in town works at a high-end restaurant here. She's the assistant manager, head bartender. And so I was like, hey, I'm going on a podcast. I need two cocktails. So we put our heads together and she crafted me two cocktails. One's a twist off of a, an already existing cocktail. It's called something lost. I forget what it's called. But she has renamed it Time Lost. Oh, so it okay. has time in it. And I believe the restaurant's name has something time to it. We'll get to it. Yes, we have the Time Cafe in the story. Time Cafe. That's okay. it. And what's in that one is two ounces of bourbon, two time sprigs, a half ounce of lemon juice, three quarters ounce of honey, two dash of bitters, and a thyme garnish. When we tasted it, it's better over a single giant rock. Oh, okay. So do that because otherwise it gets a little watery. Okay. We did, I was like, it's missing a little something, but we wanted to keep just the basic recipe so you could add to it. But I was like, put a pear, like garnish with a pear or an apple. And so I made the joke. I was like, well, why don't we just call it a honey crisp because it has honey in it, but it works. So we we garnish with an apple. I have it later when we get to that point when I make it. Um, You'll see the apple garnish. The other drink that we have, the victim's name, name is Dawn. Sorry, spoiler alert. It, it will come up in the first <laughs> There's sentence, a victim. basically. It's a crime. <laughs> it you is know? a true crime show. And so I named it Tomorrow Comes at Dawn. Oh. And it's two ounces of gin, half ounce of Campari, mm. uh, half ounce of rosemary, half ounce of lemon juice, and three dash of bitters. Ooh. And then I'm using Bombay. Uh, I forget what the gin that they were using at the restaurant. So Bombay has a little bit more citrus, so you can change it a little bit but as you ladies can see when i cut the the lemon it looks like the sun and the oh my god it totally yeah. oh, cute. marty take a picture of so, that so i did send you i did send you pictures on discord hannah you that did? you did i on just the saw the well. uh, recipe i sent them last night and oh, you were yeah, like oh you totally so good. did okay yep i'm prepared see i was doing research oh my before god too. so good marty <laughs> so uh, prepared yeah that's amazing I give Hannah grief because she wrote this like huge script, right? And <laughs> the whole thing with plans are optional. We don't plan. I was like, anything. you came with plans already. What is happening? <laughs> so, I know. Yeah, there we and go. And it drives so, me fucking crazy that we never have a plan on plans are optional. So if you want to hear <laughs> that side of me, Capricorn, Capricorn, there does not do well without any plans. <laughs> awesome well, thank you yeah that's amazing so these are like custom made for tct's episode tonight that's awesome mm-hmm. stoked mm-hmm. we sound oh and delicious. this also is over uh one big rock as well okay i need to make some more ice cubes that's what this is telling me <laughs> i had one big rock in my whiskey but now it's a small rock <laughs> oh that's your Ooh, like what kind of whiskey what kind of whiskey poor suntory Oh, oh okay. God, that's good shit. It's a good choice. Yeah. I, I kind of wish I just had it neat instead now, but I kind of wanted it cold. I don't know. It is like light enough to drink neat, but it is it nice is. cold. Yeah. But now, now I have regrets, so. Cutting it with water won't hurt it. Yeah. Mm-mm. No. Just means you'll get through it faster and you can make another one. Oh, this is true. Yay. Yeah. Can't wait for the pee break. <laughs> 
Alrighty then. That's how we know episodes end. What are you talking about? That's not a break. <laughs> well, if it's a long one, there will probably be a break. There's either a break for beer or a break for pee halfway between. Oh, okay. All right. We always implants are optional because I have to pee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's a little bit ding, ding, ding. We're done. To be fair, though, that has four boys and one girl. And this episode has three girls. Three girls and a boy. <laughs> yeah. All right, Marty. We feel like we've met you. Name your favorite thing about me before I get into the story. You know, um, the thing I do truly appreciate about Hannah is Hannah's the no-nonsense, tell it to you straight, no bullshitting around the bush. She's just going to like, she's going to tell you what it what it is and be very blunt. So you know exactly where she comes from and you know exactly where you stand with her. And, you know, it's, it's nice and refreshing with friends. Like there's the supportive friend, but then Hannah's going to be like, Actually, but I'm <laughs> actually though. <laughs> you are, but it, it's in a quit being an ass. Go and do it. Go do like. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I support you, but I don't coddle you. <laughs> no, and and so it's appreciative. So Aww, with that, thanks, like, Marty. That's, plus, I concur. she likes she likes punk music too. So and board <laughs> games and, and trivia and yep. beer and she likes football. winning. Yes, I'm actually not that competitive. I just like playing the game. Well. <laughs> What was the what was the game a couple weeks ago? The like jungle stick thing, okay, the matching. But, but uh, that terrified me. I was not the only one being competitive in that game. No, but you were way more competitive than I was. I was like, whoa, what is this? Well, what I had I to do? match Elizabeth's energy. I guess that's true. Okay, Han is selectively competitive. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for all the for times the that, that I've known her, like she she's always a willing like participant so whether it's something she's interested or not shuffleboard trivia cod blobs zombies it like she may not be good at it (laughs) but she's gonna give it her all i guess yes i guess that's true the part that i said was winning but really it's she likes the competition and she likes putting in an effort and finding out where she stands yeah and we used to play a heck of a lot of long games when we lived in the same town and again it was like when she did it awesome she was cursing cussing up a storm just Fuck and yeah. letting everybody know. Out of like and, happiness. <laughs> right. And it was it was hysterical. And when Hannah was rocking it, like everybody knew it. You could hear it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I feel like I'm mostly a fun drunk. But then she was also just happy to sit in a lawn chair too and just mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not angrily cursing because I'm losing. I'm swearing happily because I'm having a great time. You just curse regardless. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Cursing is your love language. It is. <laughs> I, I yeah, just we need miss, to add another one on. Miss it. Hannah around. <laughs> like, I give her a hard time on the other podcast because of, there was a job posting here in town to get her to come back. And it would mean that we, would be, we'd be able to hang out and have those times again. But well, keep that in your back pocket, Marty. We might talk about that today. All right. Oh, Marty. All right. I miss you too. Oh. <laughs> You're a great friend. So let's talk about murder. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Warm, warm fuzzies over. Let's get to the to the stone cold killing. We're, we've reached capacity. <laughs> I know. Don't make me. Well, I literally cannot cry, but don't make me feel like I might cry. Well, David and Don Viennes were a middle aged couple who lived in Lomita, California, which is a small town in Los Angeles County near the Pacific Coast. I've never heard of it. In 2009, David and Dawn had been together for over 15 years. Friends and family would describe their relationship as a typical marriage, but holy God, I hope not, based on what happens in this story. Uh, To outsiders, David and Dawn appeared to love each other and worked well together, which is great. 
because they decided to open a restaurant together. Which is one of the worst fucking things you can do as a couple, I think. Yeah. Agreed. Everything's great. Yeah. Agreed. Let's fuck it up. Well, oh, owning shit. a restaurant is super time consuming. And like stressful and decisions yeah. and arguments over like big decisions for the establishment. I don't know. That sounds scary. And you got to have a good division of labor. You can't have, mm-hmm. you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. Like one has to be back of the house. One has to be front of the house. Mm-hmm. And it has to work together. You can't. Uh, yeah. All right. So they found a commercial space. They remodeled it extensively from May to September 2009. And then the Time Contemporary Cafe opened in September 2009. And David worked as a chef while Don handled front of house. So there like you already said, this should be fine. Yeah. Well, of course not. This is our podcast once dun, again. Dun, dun. <laughs> not everything can be sunshine. <laughs> so... During all this remodeling and whatnot, Don became friendly with a Joe Kikasi or something. Oh, no, Joe. (laughs) Who owned a motorcycle repair shop in the same shopping center as the Time Cafe. And so sometime in that summer of 2009, Don gave Joe an envelope with $640 in cash and asked him to hold on to it for her. And it was like a nest egg she wanted to put aside for later. A little weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm new to biking, but I don't know that a lot of people would come up and give me $640 to hold on to. Well, they worked in the same shopping center, too, or the same, like, you know, commercial center. So they just kind of became friends, I think. So she's like, here's $640. Just keep that. We also are going to meet a burp. (laughs) Nope. Leave it in in post-production. We leave this shit in. Uh, So Karen Patterson, who was a close friend of David and Don. So Karen Patterson was an interior decorator for restaurants, which worked out great. So she worked closely with the couple during this remodel. And then Don and Karen became particularly close after Karen's mother died from cancer during that summer. That's not the crime. No. I mean, cancer is a murder, but it's not crime. In August 2009, Karen noticed red marks on Don's neck, and when she asked Don about them, Don started crying hysterically. No, fuck you, bitch, don't, don't. Hey. To be clear, Morris. that's Morris. Morris. Morris is being a bad boy. He's been bad for the last, like, three episodes, I think. Now he's acting out because I, I can't have him on my lap right now, and now he's acting out. <laughs> is his tail fluffy, too? Oh, it is. <laughs> no, 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 it looked fluffier. It first. gets fluffier. He never acts up on the on our recording nights. <laughs> Wednesdays oh, are a true. bad day for Morris. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he does not like hump day. There we go. Morris hates Wednesdays. <laughs> He's not Garfield. <laughs> so anyway, Don was crying hysterically, and she told Karen that David had been drinking and had tried to choke her. Uh, she also told Karen that this was not the first time that David had been violent towards her, and. He was recently been expressing a lot of anger in her direction, which, you know, they're starting a new restaurant. So I feel like the stress is building up. He's not handling it. He's not handling it well. Then in September 2009, Karen received a phone call from Dawn late one night. And Dawn told Karen that she had locked herself in the bathroom of her home because David was quite angry with her and Dawn was afraid that he was going to beat her. And Karen could hear the sound of David banging on the bathroom door and like yelling over the phone, but couldn't hear the words. And Karen wanted to call the police, but Dawn begged her not to because she didn't want the new restaurant to be negatively affected. Not afraid for her life or anything. No. No. But the Uh, restaurant. Okay. 
We just opened it. We sunk all this money into it. So Dom decided to wait out in the bathroom and she called Karen again a short time later to say that David had gone to bed and that she would be okay. Donna Morton is a neighbor that lived in the same apartment complex as the couple. And one afternoon in October 2009, Donna could hear the couple fighting from within their apartment. Donna couldn't understand what they were saying, but they were definitely yelling and it was definitely mad yells, not fun yells. And it also sounded like objects were being thrown around. And then about 15 minutes later, Donna saw Don storm out of the apartment. And this would be the last time that Donna would ever see Don. Oh, there's a lot of D's in this story. Yeah, I, I know. That. Oh my god. <laughs> I know this whole this whole paragraph is like, blah. meet some other friends, man. <laughs> Eventually, Donna asked David what happened to Don, and David told her that Don had left him because she did not want to stay in the restaurant business or the marriage. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't blame her. I mean, no, it's yeah. terrible. Domestic abuse is no laughing matter. No. There's that too. I will also say every time I was typing restaurant in the script, I typed it wrong and I had it autocorrect for me because it's a very hard word. Oh, it's a Where does word. the U go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know. I wrote this whole script about a restaurant. I think it's like aunt at the end. It's aunt at the end and it's rest. It's like. Restar. I don't know. Restar aunt. Restar you aunt. Okay. Science PhDs. <laughs> Science, um, not spelling. Got it. I, I, ladies, I love your tangents. You're, they're, <laughs> they're so much like more linear and coherent than anything else that we have. Like we take a tangent for like thirty seconds, and then we're back to it. <laughs> but it's nice to it. break up the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they're not hard to edit at all. <laughs> Is that sarcasm? Uh huh. <laughs> Oops. Uh, okay, so David also revealed to Donna that Don had a drinking problem, but had refused to go to rehab and had instead decided to go live alone in the mountains, which I kind of want to do as well, just because everything is on fire and falling apart and society is collapsing, but not because I have a drinking problem. But the mountains That's are the also emo on part fire. of you. I was listening to my emo playlist today, actually, it was great. All right, so on October 18th, 2009, Richard Stagnito, a friend of David's, went to the Time Cafe to install a pots and pans rack. And after the installation, David and Richard sat down and chatted for a bit. David was in a major grump like I was last week. (laughs) It was the moon. Oh, that fucking eclipse, man. (laughs) It was bad. It got more as bad, too. Not just me. So David was complaining that the restaurant was not working out the way that he had planned, obviously, and that Don was drinking too much. And so he told Richard that Don was a sloppy mess at work and it was embarrassing to have her there. David was also multitasking during this conversation and reviewing receipts as well, and he became super mad when the receipts didn't match. And he just suddenly yelled out, That bitch is stealing from me, and nobody steals from me, and I will kill that bitch. Oh. Richard tried to calm David down by suggesting that he should send Don to rehab, Uh, but Don told Richard, you're just a pussy. (laughs) She doesn't deny stealing. We haven't talked to Don at all about the stealing. Oh, okay. This is him talking to his friend. He's just counting the receipts that night. I don't even know if Don had been there that day. Anywho, Richard decided to go home. He's just a pussy after all. And uh, David went out to a club uh, at about 11, oh, at exactly 11.01 p.m. on that same night, Joe, our motorcycle repairman, received a call from Don. 
And so she had more money that she wanted him to hold on to, and they made plans for Dawn to drop it off the next day. And then at 11.49 p.m., she called Richard, who let her know that David was quite upset with her and had accused her of theft. And Dawn began crying hysterically again. Dawn is obviously not on six different psychosis meds. Because then she couldn't cry at all. (laughs) And so her and Richard kind of called back and forth because Dawn was trying to figure out where David was and when he would get home. Home. Sorry, what? (laughs) Home. (laughs) I've heard of, like, different vowel pronunciations, but that's a new one. (laughs) Wait till you hear me try to say heel. Like a mill. Like a mountain. Windmill. Mill. Windmill. We need a linguist on here. <laughs> oh my god, what was the other word? Legislature. <laughs> Legislature? That's a plan. That's a plans are optional callback. Divorce too has an extra syllable for Hannah. Mm-hmm. It does? You yeah. say divorce. Oh, you know, whatever. It's good. I mean, it's unique. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. All right, so bright and early the next morning, David had a meeting with the Time Cafe employees. Uh, Don was not there, and the employees were told that Don would no longer be working there. And then he bumped one of the servers, Kathy Galvin, uh, up to a managerial position. David did not give any explanation as to why Don would no longer be working there. But Kathy recalled that Don was moody, got easily upset, and would yell at the staff whenever there was the smallest error. Talk that away, though. We're going to learn more about Kathy soon. Ooh. Dawn also never showed up to Joe's motorcycle shop to drop off the money that day as planned. And then Dawn also missed a meeting with Karen Patterson the following day. And Dawn was supposed to meet Kathy at the hospital for more moral support as Karen was undergoing cancer treatment. And since they had become really close friends, especially because... Um, When Karen's mom died of cancer, it seemed like a real bitch move and out of character for Dawn to completely ghost her. So after the treatment, Karen went over to the restaurant, but she only found David there and said that he was drenched in sweat, uh, seemed to be distraught, and had a large bandage on his hand. Hmm. David told Karen that he and Don had had an argument because Don refused to go to rehab and that she had left him. Uh, he brought up the theft again, still mad, and he even had Karen go over the receipts. Not her job. Karen only found a discrepancy of less than $25, which, man, eh, whatever. They don't yeah. match. $25 <laughs> They still don't match, okay, but like. Yeah, it's going to really stand up in court. But, but is it, I mean, do you know if it was like for a day or like for a week? I a don't month? know. Because, I mean, $25 a day, that could. It adds you know, up. Pretty, pretty yeah. quickly add up to 600 and not quite $40, but depends on how much. I mean, I feel at this point they've only been open for like maybe a month at the most, too, but. I mean, but if they're married, what's mine is yours, honey. Total was missing. No, but like she had that money to give to Joe, the motorcycle man, so she could have been skimming. Yeah, so it took twenty five point six days if she was skimming. (laughs) All right, we did the math. (laughs) So yeah, I don't actually have any idea if Don was actually stealing. Okay. No idea. But we're missing $25 and we're missing Dawn. Yeah, that $25 she took to run away with. Yeah. Karen asked a couple more questions, like, did Dawn take her belongings with her? And why was her car still in the parking lot? Uh, David seemed nervous and irritable throughout the conversation and told Karen that Dawn had taken some luggage, but had not taken her car because it was not registered properly. Although, why did she drive it to work? I don't know. Hmm. And at one point in the conversation, David said, good riddance, in reference to Dawn. 
So three days later, Karen again asked David about Don. David said he had been keeping in contact with Don via phone and text message and that Don had conveyed to him that she needed time away to think and to clear her head. Karen remained concerned and asked David to tell Don to call her directly because she wanted to hear her voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, later that day, Karen received a text message from Don. Next best thing. There's a bug in here. Mm. Not quite proof of life. Not no. really. But it supported what David had told her. However, the text was riddled with spelling and grammar errors, <laughs> which was unlike Don, and she had misspelled her own nickname. Oh, no. Which is very <laughs> unlike Don. <laughs> Don's drunk. It would be like if Daryl sent text messages from my phone to people. Uh, It's definitely not you. No. No. (laughs) And then later on, Karen received a second text message from Don saying that Don was moving back to the East Coast and that she would send Karen her new phone number after she got settled. So quite fishy. Mm. Quite. Uh, Over the next several weeks, Karen continued to try to get a hold of Don but to no avail. And Karen, Joe, and Richard all separately asked David about Don's whereabouts, and he told them generally the same story. You know, that she had to leave town, she wasn't going to go to rehab, she needed to clear her head, whatever. About two weeks after Don had been last seen, David and Kathy Galvin, the server who had been promoted to manager, started having a non-professional relationship. Started or continued? <laughs> Brown cow. Brown cow. I did. I said brown cow. (laughs) I thought I heard brown cow. (laughs) I like it. So the first time Kathy came over to David's place, she noticed that Don's belongings were still there. But instead of being concerned, Kathy was insecure and she was concerned that Don might be coming back. But David assured her that Don had left him and that the marriage was over. And he also showed her some text messages that he claimed were from Dawn, where Dawn said that she still loved David, but she was leaving him. So at the end of October 2009, David asked his daughter from a previous marriage to come and help him with the restaurant. This is Jacqueline. She was 19. She agreed and she came and stayed for six weeks. Uh, When she arrived, so David didn't prep this. When she arrived, David was like, oh, yeah, Don left for a couple days. We had a fight, whatever. Just for a few days. Yeah. Well, then a a day or two after her arrival, David asked Jacqueline and Kathy to help him pack up Don's clothes and move them to a storage unit. (laughs) Oh, she's just going to be gone for a few days, but let's get her shit out of here. But for good. By mid-November 2009, Kathy Galvin had moved in. Hmm. Interesting. Which makes it seem like started is not the right word for their non-professional relationship. Yeah. So on November 8th, 2009, Don's sister filed a missing persons report. And it seems like Sheriff's Detective Tamar Abraham actually took this seriously. So Detective Abraham distributed flyers with Don's photograph to local law enforcement agencies. There you go. Reviewed her financial and phone records looking (laughs) for any recent activity. Interviewed her friends and families and added Don's information to a nationwide missing persons database. And then based on those interviews with Don's friends and family, Detective Abraham conducted a recorded telephone interview with David. And so David had worked out his story and he figured out what it's going to actually be. So he said that Don had been drinking 18 beers a day. Damn. I know. I can't even. I just can't. There's not the physical space. Well, if you're an alcoholic, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't practiced enough. (laughs) That's a lot. It's so much. It depends. I mean, 
You can you can put a, put them away for their light beers and your three doing six packs. Activity. I don't even think I can. Like that's so much volume. If you're doing like light beer, like Bud Light, Coors I'd more consider the stuff. volume. But you I know guess how you much I'd have to pee up there. Oh my god! You just we be sitting on the toilet, be dehydrated and peeing constantly, <laughs> and it's just like a it's a circle where you're drinking and peeing it out, and drinking and peeing it out, <laughs> and burping a lot. <laughs> You can do it. Come on, professionals. Oh, that's miserable. Professionals. Professionals, Marty. Do it all the time. Not mm-hmm. per day. Not like do it every day. I mean, no, I've, I've heard like this kind of number. Oh, God. Wade Boggs, who played for the Boston Red Sox, mm-hmm. would go through like, I don't, remember, I don't remember. It was some like mythical number. It was on a Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode no. where they were trying to reenact the started... Wade Boggs. <gasps> I remember that one, I think. Yeah. It doesn't end well for him, but like, <laughs> no. Wade, Wade Boggs was a professional. And 18 is very doable. But for Dawn, I don't know her attributes. 107 beers was his record. No. In See? one day? Yeah, and I'm not the first person was to Google good, Wade was Boggs Was he a good basketball beer. player? Baseball. Baseball. <laughs> oh. I thought it was basketball. Yeah, like if he's like seven foot something, then, you know, he's got a lot of body to fill out the beer. Pretty sure he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Oh, he is? He must be good enough then. Well, Dawn was not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. She may have been drinking 18 beers a day, yelling at the restaurant staff, and miscalculating the customer bills to the point where they were losing 200 to $300 a day. So on October 18th, David said that he left Dawn at work while he went to, no, he left Dawn at home while he went to the restaurant, and then he went out to a bar with a man that he was interviewing for a chef position, which is a fun interview. You interviewed a bar for a chef position? They went out to a bar. I think they were friends before. Ah, so not a real interview. Yeah. It wasn't a real interview. (laughs) All right. So I'm like, wouldn't you want to interview in the kitchen to see what you're made of? (laughs) Food service does their own thing. (laughs) And they drink a lot, so. Yeah, they do. This could be the interview. Can you drink 18 beers tonight, chef (laughs) to be? (laughs) And then also do the knife challenge with your hand. Like, how coordinated are you in the kitchen? <laughs> I don't do blood. That's, that's like, the main reason why I don't do true, true oh, crime stuff. Okay. So, <laughs> thanks, Sarah. Thanks. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, David said that when he returned home that night, Dawn was gone. She did come home the following week. Wearing unclean clothes and reeking of alcohol. Uh, She told David that she wanted to leave. She wanted them both to leave the restaurant business and go live in the mountains. David urged her to go to rehab and Dawn agreed. And then two days later, she left with some of her belongings. And then over the next several weeks, David spoke on the phone with Dawn twice and had received several text messages from her, including one that said that Dawn loved David but needed time to work things out. Which is never a good sign. Does that ever end well? I love you, but no, that doesn't no. work. No, <laughs> I love you, but mm, I love your butt works really well. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess this story that he told was good enough because nothing much happened until August 2010, so almost a year later. There had been no contact from Dawn for 10 months. 
and Detective Abraham transferred the case to the Sheriff's Department Homicide Bureau, where Sergeant Richard Garcia took the lead. He was able to get a search warrant for the apartment, which David and Kathy had just vacated. Bloodstains were found on the bedroom wall, sorry Marty, and the bathroom floor, but they were too degraded by that point to be useful, and then no other physical evidence was found at the apartment. The case stalled for a bit, so on February 22nd, 2011, Sergeant Garcia sent two detectives to contact Jacqueline, David's daughter, who had moved to South Carolina by this point. And she admitted that David had told her about Don's death. Ooh. And then at the detective's request, Jacqueline then called her father and told him that she had just spoken to the police about the confession he had made to her. Following morning, David woke Kathy up with a newspaper article that said that Don's disappearance was now being investigated as a homicide. Oh, yeah, someone's saying she's dead all of a sudden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He then told Kathy that he was really sorry, but Don was not coming back. But it had been an accident. Sure. Sure it what? had, David. Where is for, she? For some reason, Kathy in the got in the car with David. Oh, fuck no. Yeah, so Kathy got in the car with David, and while crying, David drove them to the nearby cliffs of Rancho Palos Verdes. He stopped at a scenic overlook, and they both got out of the car. And then David walked towards the edge of the cliff and again apologized to Kathy and said that no one was going to believe him and they were never going to be together after this. He also asked her to tell his mother and brother that he loved them very much. Oh, no. No. And then he flung himself off no. the 80-foot cliff to die by suicide. Jesus. 80 feet. Yeah, no, he gone, right? He survived. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> So he's mangled. <laughs> like his, both his legs were like totally crushed. Eighty feet. How many? That's like that's like six floors. It's a lot. Yeah. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell this you is, that? I was when- like, yay! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that was a good case, Marty. Uh, so well, do you land in a tree? I like how, a rock or something? <laughs> something broke his fall. Water? <laughs> he bounced. <laughs> oh, bounced. Yeah. So, like, you, oh. you know, you tumble. Oh, yeah. Everything. Like, 80 feet on impact. It's, like, 30 here, 30 there. And, you know, you're not doing great, but you're alive. I just thought of, like, landing or and the body, like, bouncing. Yeah. Oh, no, no. And- like, bounce, like, it's a cliff, but it's not straight down. It's just, like, kind of a rolling tumble. So then it's Ugh. 80 feet, but it's, like, you've you've hit a couple times to break the fall. And it's not an 80-foot total drop. Like, you still pick up momentum. Like, yeah. But, like, you, you drop some of the momentum upon impact halfway down. I don't know. It's not It's not the fall that kills you. It's the sudden <laughs> stop. It's the stop. I uh, don't know what the cliff looks okay. like. But um. But if you rolled or bounced, it's like a sudden stop every couple stories instead of six It sounds like both stories, of his legs were my thought. completely shattered, which makes me think a single impact. Oh, they just kind of crumpled. Fuck. Well, while David recuperated in the hospital, Sergeant Garcia executed search warrants for David's new residence, his mother's house, and the Time Cafe. No physical evidence was discovered, but a cadaver dog, who was a very good boy, stopped at a shed Mm -hmm. and several other areas behind the restaurant. Oh, no. So like Uh I said, David had shattered his legs. Behind the restaurant. But he was able to be interviewed on March 1st, 2011. So that's like two weeks later, I guess. About. Okay. Uh, So... During the first interview, David said the following. On October 18th, 2009, Don wanted to use cocaine with David. He agreed. <laughs> yeah, let's get off alcohol and into something else. He agreed, but found the experience was not enjoyable. So, David, whatever. Later that- David doesn't like cocaine. Okay. 
Uh, later that night, David got violent because he had caught Dawn stealing money from the business, and when he found her with the money, he snapped. David placed duct tape around Dawn's mouth, feet, and hands, left her on the living room floor, and fell asleep. Dawn did not cry, scream, or resist David as he restrained her, and he did not recall seeing any blood. When David woke up the next morning, Dawn was dead. But this is after he did an eight ball with her? Yes. <laughs> But I don't think they actually did an eight ball. I don't think this cocaine, this cocaine <laughs> thing didn't happen at all. David initially put her body in a closet and then later put her body into Ugh. a garbage bag that he placed in the dumpster behind the restaurant. How much later? It doesn't really say. And this wasn't super odd for the Veen family because apparently David had duct taped on twice before because he didn't, he didn't want her driving around wasted, whacked out on coke and drinking. Totally normal things to do. <laughs> I know. And was, he was fine admitting that. I've done this before. Like a good husband. I had How to restrain, you restrain your spouse when you're not. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, and then on March 15th, about a, four days later, at David's request, Sergeant Garcia conducted another interview with David and he provided a whole lot of new details. Oh. So to start... David told the detective that he had been working 100 hours a week since opening the restaurant. Well, Don just hung around drinking and using cocaine. <laughs> what a drag. Uh, <laughs> one day when David was reviewing the receipts, he realized that a lot of money was missing. But he, $25. Yeah, a lot of money. Okay. In 2009? Yeah. Uh, he thought it was just due to Don making mistakes. And then he said that evening... Uh, Don went home and David stayed at the restaurant to help Richard install that pots and pans rack. And then David went out to a couple bars with that guy that he was interviewing. And then as the evening wound on, Don kept calling David because she thought he was partying instead of coming home. Which would be kind of a weird ask if you were the one partying, but I don't know if she was. Yeah. Somehow Don figured out what bar they were at and she showed up and started making a scene and being difficult, as uh, David says. <laughs> and then David decided to walk home while Don decided to stay and help the uh, the interviewee home for some reason. Wait, home home? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, no, hang on, hang on. This, this sounds completely legit. <laughs> so my novice interpretation, you all are the professionals here, sounds like David's making yes. this up about Don. Since Don home, because Don just is kind of fed up, doesn't want to be there. He's at the restaurant. He goes and takes money out of the till to go interview the oh. person at the bar. Da, da, da. Don goes and confronts him. He's just fed up, just walks out, leaves, goes, walks home. And because they've been drinking on the tabby, Don's going to stay behind and help the, the interviewee get All right. home. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to hear, like, because, again, we don't have Don's testimony. I would want to right. hear, like, some eyewitness Kind of things. And by the way, Hannah, you're doing like, this is way more than I ever like about this case. So, but that, that would be my, my interpretation, my guess. It's like, I want to hear like, let's find that person. Yeah. I don't know if they ever talked to this guy. Who was coked out? Who was drunk? Yeah. Who was this? Talk to so. the bartender. And talk to this interviewee that got shit faced on his yeah, interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they teach you when you, when you get your pores permit that you should have an incident log at the bar. Oh. So if there was a scene. Oh. Like yeah. the incident, oh, the bartender should have an incident scene. log oh. and be able to go back to Ooh, it. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, bartender back knowledge. Love it. Fascinating. Oh. All right. Well, David walked himself home. And then when he got home, he took an Ambien 
And then he moved a large dresser in front of the bedroom door to keep Dawn out. As you do. Uh, When Dawn returned home, she started yelling and pounding at the bedroom door. Somehow, she was able to get past the dresser into the room. Coke strength. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, maybe she was on a little coke. I don't know. I I did a bump and now I can move the dresser. (laughs) Superhuman. Jesus. Uh, David was lying on the bed feeling lightheaded from the ambient when suddenly Dawn was on all over him. And just she had got a light from somewhere that she was shining in his face and she was calling him all sorts of mean and nasty names. Oh, I thought you meant like she was on him. Well, she yeah, was like, also definitely. on him. I think she might have been on him, but also not in a sexual, in a mad way, not in a sexy way. Okay. Okay. But like pinning him down. Okay. Okay. Uh... I was like, Both? there's such thing as mad sexy, Coked but I out. don't think this is what this is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. He repeatedly told her to leave him alone and let him sleep. And when she wouldn't, <laughs> he grabbed her by both hands, forced her into the living room, and wrapped her hands and feet with duct tape. And placed, oh, no. Yeah. Again. So this part stayed the same. He also put a strip of duct tape over her mouth. Just her mouth. Just her mouth, but also her hands and her um, legs and arms were duct taped together. Jeez. Okay. And then David went back to the bedroom and the ambient kicked in and he fell asleep. And then when he woke up the next morning, Dawn was dead, having choked to death on her own vomit. Fuck. So if he, ha- if he has done this twice already and she hasn't died, this might be a surprise. But But don't do that. Yeah, no. Don't duct tape somebody. No. A. B. Don't definitely drug yourself to sleep and duct tape somebody that you will not be able to watch after. Yeah. Fuck. All right. Well, during this second interview, David also went into more detail about the disposal of Don's body. Having a whole restaurant at his disposal, he put no, Don's no. body oh, no. into a large... It's not as bad as you think. He put Don's body into a large vat of boiling water and slowly cooked it for four days. Because I just finished watching it you is. and I was thinking oh, meat grinder. Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. <laughs> oh, no. This is a boil situation. It's so fucking gross. Four, four days. Four days. Ew. Oh, no. Ew. Yeah. He took the time while she was... The corpse was boiling to clean out all the grease traps. And then he mixed all the grease with the remaining of Don's bodies and other weird debris from the restaurant. And most of all- He could have made soap like Leonardo. Oh, I was fuck. just going to say, yeah, you got that You got that human fat now. Well, most of this strange mixture went into the grease pit at the restaurant, which I did not know restaurants had. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just on the back? Yeah. Wait, like how you have to dispose of grease for, like, car auto shops? Biofuels. Okay. Weird. Yeah. And then... Gotta clean mm-hmm. out the grease trap. Come on. <sighs> Couple pieces didn't cook down, so he put those into garbage bags and left them beside the dumpster. Did it say which, which pieces? No. Oh, okay. The restaurant must smell horrible. Boiled ass. Like, it can't smell like <laughs> it's def- pork. Well... Chicharrones at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the restaurant was closed during this time. Oh, yeah. I don't Seriously. So. Like, oh, well, we just put the chicken in while this is going to. Not a big deal. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. If you're making, like, a, a mm-hmm. pot of soup, right, and then you have another pot of, a, of like, chicken soup, hopefully you don't mix up the pots yeah. and serve one or the other, right? But but you can you can disguise the smell. A lot of because... other things are cooking. You could put some aromatics yeah, in there. At the same so time. So there's, like, a shit ton of garlic yeah. going on Come in on. the kitchen. I guess I'm imagining this like a deep fryer plus vats of water boiling mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like if you if you got like a stovetop cooking like 
meat and other things and you get another stove cooking soups and other like there's gonna be a lot of smells it, it, it's there's not, just you, lots of garlic yeah you need a shit ton of garlic because yeah. that's decomposing human flesh garlic and thyme oh. well how 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 this long was how like, long was the the killing the to the cooking day. oh yeah oh it okay. oh, was because he did actually yeah, put so her it, in the closet it's fresh it's not going oh, okay. to the restaurant okay so it's not like it's not like Dead closet, couple no. days restaurant, <laughs> four um, days. Got it. I still yeah, don't know if the restaurant meat. was open because otherwise you'd have this big pan that had like a note on it that says "Don't look inside." Don't open. <laughs> it looks weird <laughs> in here. Let's see here. I'm a little busy but right like now. But like the bones, do bones dissolve in four days? Honestly, that pig skull that I had that caught on fire remember the head when the head oh, yeah. caught on fire during the roasting and i took the skull home cleaned yeah. up the meat but it was already damaged from the fire and i boiled it with the wrong type of detergent and it got very like flinty so right but this is this is water i don't know if it was water oh i thought you said it was a vat i did of, like, say that water. so like he's boiling i did for say that, that but i don't have the recipe is it hydrochloric acid <laughs> like your our no. other friend he's not a scientist okay Chef, they they do chemistry. It's I'm just picturing thing. a big soup pot. And you I open was the lid, too. There's like a face half I was up. too. That's why you can't open the soup pot. No. Like, chef, we're not going to hire you just yet. Don't don't be in the kitchen mm. right now. Well, the only body part that he said he kept was Don's skull, which he put in his mom's oh. attic just in case he wanted it for later. But why? What? For what? Because it was for an anatomy. I don't know. Or However, it's a trophy. I would go more trophy, but however, the police conducted a search of David's mother's attic and did not find Don's skull or any other forensic evidence. And to this day, Don's remains have not been found, but we have a pretty good idea. Uh, so David attended his trial in, in his wheelchair. Because his legs are shattered. <laughs> Although <he's> <laughs> he had enough leg left to show his displeasure with his attorney's work. Because when his attorney rested his case, David stood up and announced, Your Honor, I object. He stood up. How can he stand up? He's, he's, he's not very far. I mean. Not very far. He's a fucking faker. No, I think these were knitting together by this point. His objection didn't work. And David was convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to 15 years to life. That's which is not it. Much. Like boiling a fucking body. 15. Was there any abuse of a corpse or anything like that? It didn't say in any of the articles I looked at, which you think there would be. Mm-hmm. I also don't know how you object to the poor work of your defense attorney. When yeah. You're on I record He's doing the best he fucking can. He's trying to make sure you don't get the death penalty. Yeah. I'd say 15 years, he did a pretty damn good job. Yeah. I know. That sucks. Some testimony that definitely didn't help David's case was when his daughter Jacqueline took the stand and reminisced about how her father used to joke with her and her siblings when they were younger that if he ever needed to get rid of a body, he would cook it. Ha 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 ha. Oh no. Uh, he already yeah, knew premeditation. Mm-hmm. Experience. Ooh. Obviously, there was an appeal, which was mostly based around statements from Dr. Marvin Petruska, who was a forensic toxicologist and pathologist. Uh, he first testified that Ambien could create a significantly confused state in which the user might not be aware of their surroundings, and alcohol use while taking Ambien could exacerbate its side effects and could cause the user to become irrational, experience memory loss, or develop delusions such as hearing or seeing things that did not exist. Don't add depressants. Math. 
what about what about with Coke? Honestly, Doctor A person Downers. Doctor Petresca didn't say anything about Coke. Okay. Probably because it was a lie. And then the defense also argued that David was not medically competent during the two interviews that took place in March. And Dr. Petriska, he reviewed David's medical records from March 2011 and found that David had been prescribed lorazepam, which I think I'm on, hydrocodone, morphine, and Benadryl. Hydrocodone and morphine at the same time? That's a lot. But also the morphine and the... Hydrocodone? Hydrocodone at the same time. That's how we were doing. Oh yeah, he's not feeling shit. (laughs) He's flying. A fucking Superman, bitch. It did say in the uh, article if he stood up and immediately face planted into the ground. (laughs) He's in a cast, just like teeters over. (laughs) Oh god, he breaks his thighs. (laughs) You can't Uh, break what's already broken. No, you can't actually. I guess David stated that while under the influence of all these drugs, he could not even remember confessing to the police. He confessed to Kathy. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't come up. Well, David said, quote, I'm hallucinating. I had no idea I had undergone two major surgeries. I don't remember meeting these guys except for that one time in my driveway. David's yeah, appeal was declined. Yeah, he is. Man, David is going to have a hard time going to take a shit if he can't use his legs. <laughs> well, he's in prison. That's going to be difficult anyway. Someone will help him. His kindly neighbor. <laughs> that pedophile with a cane. Okay, so in 2021, David went before the parole board via Zoom and (laughs) told them that he was so sorry for what I've done, but also continued to backpedal on his 2011 confession, calling it outlandish. So he told the board that he had worked hard to change and, quote, I'm no longer the person I was in October 2009. I lived after jumping off that cliff for some reason. It was a pivotal. Did he find Jesus? Yes, you could live out your fucking years behind bars. It was a pivotal moment. I really worked hard at becoming a better person. I see myself being in service to others. I'd really like to become a certified counselor in anger management that specializes in (laughs) domestic abuse. Uh, No, thank you. I don't think he's qualified. Bad enough and you kill your wife, just cook her. I mean, what the fuck? Wait, what? Uh. Yeah, I don't think he's qualified. No. Well, at least he knows a great recipe. Oh, we don't no. know if it's great, though. This is not a cannibal story. Yeah, at least he didn't, at least she didn't end up, well, we don't know where her remains are. Which is are. what I was saying. This is Fuck. not as bad well, as you might be thinking. Okay, there was a Criminal Minds episode where the dude. The chili. Yeah, the yeah. chili. <laughs> Because they were on a search and he was supplying food for the search oh, team. Oh, fuck, yeah, he probably was. And it was her. Yeah, Jamie Kennedy, right, was the actor was who that? played the... Oh, Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. Jamie Kennedy. But he fed the body to the search party that was searching for her. What Anyways. was the line? Oh, my God, that was amazing. Um, I'll see if I can Google it. Like, she's in all of us right now. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, my God. This is the most random thing, but you said Jamie Kennedy, and then I was like, huh. And I Googled just to make sure. Apparently, Jamie Kennedy has a gigantic cock. (laughs) (laughs) Out of all the things that that you could have gone, Jamie Kennedy was in the movie Scream. Yeah. I've never seen Scream. The Scream trilogy. I don't know. He had his own TV show. He was in Malibu. Most one, no, he has a giant <laughs> cock. That is why I love Hannah right here. You never know. I have brought this uh, penis size to plans are optional as well for somebody. I forgot who though. It's <sighs> God is in everyone, and so oh. is Tracy Lambert. Yes, 
Yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh. Hey, it's lamb chili. No. Yep. <laughs> yep. I ordered I the lamb, not the Lambert. Yeah, no. If they didn't use that in the show, I'm they didn't. severely disappointed <laughs> in the writers. They try to make it serious. There's not a whole uh, lot of so, puns, yeah. That's true. No. There's a lot of, like, really serious quotes that when I was extremely heartbroken and depressed, I thought were very deep. Anywho, I'm fine. I paid my credit card. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I still owe a lot of money, but I paid the months. You're okay for this month. Congratulations. Woo! I'm an adult. (laughs) David had not taken the stand during his trial. So this was the first time that he had been publicly questioned since the murder. And so he filled in information about his past. I think most of this probably is true. Uh, But he said he was sexually abused by an older woman when he was 12. He was mistreated by his tyrannical father. May have had a point. He became involved in cocaine dealing as a teenager, and he went to prison for marijuana trafficking. And there is, like, he did actually go to prison. Okay. He was living in Florida, and he went to prison for some sort of drug stuff. So that part's true at the very least. He also talks about his two marriages. So I guess he had a first marriage. I know nothing. Well, that's where he got Jacqueline. Well, Jackie. That's where he got Jacqueline yeah. from. I got it. I got it now. But her mother's uh, still intact. Yes. And that we know of. Probably in, like, South Carolina, like, far away. Yeah. He also talked about his drug addiction and depression. And then my mm. favorite part, how he has realized through therapy that he was an abusive, controlling, and jealous husband. You fucking think? You didn't figure that out beforehand, my dude? The therapist is just like, well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really sounds like Dawn was the one who was on substances. She might have been. Mm-hmm. Given given that history, you know, from David. So. And I think they were together in Florida as well. Oh, well, if they were in Florida together. And then he went to jail, he left. But I also think he was probably on substances. So maybe they did cocaine. Like, maybe that's how they met each other, like, the out partying and Oh, stuff. yeah. Like, I mean, did it say which part of Florida? I don't remember. I was going to go into this part of the story, but I stopped. Okay. I mean, addiction, too, though, is, is part of, like, dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. Right. So I don't know if the sexual abuse when he was 12 and that his father was bossy. I don't know if that part's true, but if it was, then it could lead into all of this. But you still don't get carte blanche to kill anybody. Yeah. And cook him in a stew. <laughs> this reminds me of what, uh, Arrested Development? <laughs> Maybe. You got a, you got a stew going. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, Marty. <laughs> Save... Save that chicken leg, add some broth, some carrots, some celery. You gotta, maybe you got a stew going. <laughs> Carl Withers. 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 Not Withers. Not Withers. He's Withers. doing fine. Withers. That's, uh, you know, ain't no sunshine. That's Bill Withers. Oh, is that him? Oh. Okay, never mind. Well, don't worry. David's parole has been denied. The board listed multiple reasons for the denial, including uh, David had not taken full responsibility for killing Don. He continued to blame her for provoking him, and he needed more counseling before he would even be considered for early release. Uh, They also took into account David's earlier criminal conduct, which I was talking about, in which he served three different federal prison terms for drug trafficking in Florida. And then just to further hammer in that I don't like David very much, David committed two rule violations while incarcerated. Uh, In 2017, he was charged with a drug offense committed behind bars, but was found not guilty. And the second offense was when he threatened a transgender inmate who ran naked in front of him in the bathroom. 
So. Okay. Asshole. Yeah. So during the parole hearing, David asked what he would say to Dawn if she was still here. And David said, he said, I'm just so sorry. My God, I'm sorry I didn't treat you better. I'm sorry that I murdered you. (laughs) I'm sorry that I didn't listen to you. Didn't appreciate you. Didn't get help. I'm going to live the rest of my life in regret, remorseful for what I've done. It was horrible. There it is. I have to live with what I've done. That is the the perfect narcissist fucking response to murder every time. Bring it back to you. But he's innocent. He didn't do it. He doesn't I'm sorry I murdered you. He doesn't remember the confession, but he also thinks Don provoked him. So it's a whole... It's your fault that I murdered and cooked you. Yeah. It's your fault I cooked you. Yeah. Jesus. So Don's siblings also attended the parole hearing and were not moved by anything David said, calling him a pathological liar. Fair. And Don's brother said, quote, I hope you, the state of California, keep this man in prison for the rest of his life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Killed my sister. And more and more and more and more. He's just admitting and admitting what he's done. Yeah. So that's that. A little randomness at the end. On May 20th, 2011, the CBS affiliate in Los Angeles ran a story titled Lomita Restaurant to Reopen After Chef Confessed to Weiss Murder. David had confessed in March of that year, so it might have been a bit of a premature move. Uh, But his family announced that they planned to reopen the restaurant as soon as unspecified permit issues were resolved. Oh, like, like that there were dead body in the grease in trap? the kitchen. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I feel like that's a jinx. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. A reporter asked David's mother Sandra if she thinks customers would return, and Sandra just shrugged and said, "The food is good food, <laughs> except when it's not. <laughs> except for when it's not actually food." Ah, uh, yeah. So I'm not sure if that ever actually ended up happening. It's definitely closed now, according to Yelp. The Yelp page still exists. And Time Cafe had four out of five stars. And the majority of the reviewers seemed to really like the food, but had complaints about the service. Because the the front of the... Could be a little bit of a Dawn problem if she was an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, like, and she might have been, I don't know. Oh, (laughs) my favorite Yelp review is from Jessie T, who tried to go to the Time Cafe for lunch and found that it was closed with a sign on the door that said R.I.P. Dawn Beans. Jesse T then had to spend part of his lunch break Googling and finding out about David, the owner slash chef, potentially killing his wife and clinging to life after a suicide attempt. This guy's like, damn, I'm hungry, but my the restaurant I want to go to is closed. I wonder why and found out that way. Well, he'd been there before and he'd left a previous review where he said, second time I've been here, but times time. felt like the the herb. And <laughs> the herb. I don't oh mind. I don't mind. I thought it was cute. Yeah, that's cute. Well, that's how the cocktails... Yeah, mm-hmm. so it all comes back together. The saddest review is found on Urban Spoon. And I'm going to side note here. Does anyone use Urban Spoon anymore? I remember, I remember Urban it. Spoon is like one of the first apps I downloaded when I got my iTouch. I had forgotten about it until this. Yeah. Right. I think Yelp killed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this was 2009, so maybe it was still around then. It was written by Dawn herself just 10 days before she was murdered. Oh, no. And he says, quote, 
Hi, I'm Dawn. My husband slash chef is David. We are a work in progress, only open for 16 days. I know we are not yet perfect, but we work 14 hours a day to become so. Oh. Hmm. And that is the story of David and Dawn Beans. Yuck. <laughs> All right. Scratch that. Wicka, wicka, wicka. Well, for astrology this week, we have got a sextile, which again, friends, is a 60 degree aspect in astrology. And then we've got two squares for our square episode. Aww. So the day this airs is Monday, December 6th, 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 <laughs> 6th, whatever. Okay, so two really strong drinks in, and um, I'm going to fly through this here. So <laughs> Mars and Scorpio will be sextile with Pluto and Capricorn, and this is a strategic combination that will give us energy and also ambition. So it's going to be a good day to get what you want. So write your Christmas list, A degree! <laughs> or a degree. <laughs> Seems doable. It's going to be a good day. However, the next two days are not going to be as great because they are squares. So on Tuesday, December 7th, Mercury and Sagittarius will be square with Neptune and Pisces. And this aspect will allow us to be imaginative and creative, but our judgment will not be. So really... Oh, like a Sagittarius. Yeah. So... (laughs) Really be careful and remove your rose-colored glasses before making any sort of, like, important decision that might impact your life. (laughs) No big decisions in dreamland. Got it. Right? Exactly. (laughs) Which is where I always am anyway, so fuck it all. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll keep an eye on Sarah on the 7th. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. And then on Wednesday, December 8th, Mars and Scorpio will be square with Jupiter in Aquarius. And this is going to be a good day to take a calculated risk. This aspect, however, makes us impulsive. So impulsive risks on this day will be a no-no. Uh-huh. So think first, act later, try to I'm keep your cool. I'm never impulsive. I think too much. Yeah, that's the Capricorn. Yeah, you energy. do. You and all the other Capricorns and Virgos Because I can there. bring that up for later, but... um, mm-hmm. It's funny, on plans are optional. Hannah says I need to get out of my own way, but Hannah's the one that thinks too much, so... <laughs> well, we both need to get out of our ways, Marty. You, We both have to get out of our ways in different ways, Okay. You thinker. <laughs> you feeler. That's what you get. Damn, INTJ. Oh, what is this? Marty's a cancer, by the way. Well, now I'm an E. I am a cancer. Okay. STJ. And I, 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 I even, I went and, so I was born at 6, 6 a.m.-ish. I don't know what that means. You use your birth chart. It depends on, oh. Ooh. So we can we can get into that in our, our, our next okay. episode. Okay, sweet. Marty, Marty part deuce, but um, <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. So, you don't have to take a calculated risk, right, in contacting us. You just reach out. Ah. We're super easy to find. We're on Twitter at True Crime. We want to talk to you. We're on Instagram at True Crime Trine. We're on Facebook at TCT Podcast. And you can email us directly at truecrimetrine at gmail.com. And you can check out our website at www.truecrimetrine.com. The quote I have for you guys this week is from an English writer philosopher, G.K. Chesterton. Oh, so Chesterton. Gilbert Keith, because I needed to know what the G.K. standard for. <laughs> Gilbert Keith is a mouthful. Right? I, I know why he went by G.K. So, quote, the criminal 
is the creative artist, the detective, only the critic, end quote. Rude. What? Ooh. That's rude to artists you everywhere. I and dig it. critics. I dig it. Art is... It, art is messy, sometimes, but like it doesn't have to be murder. No. Sometimes art artists die for their for their art. This is okay. True. okay. And murder murder kind of fits. So in yeah, that, there, especially if they're caught. There was a Criminal Minds episode <laughs> as well, where there was an artist that was murdering people so that he could paint with their blood. Oh, there was oh, right. Oh, I kind of. But he that was one. really yeah. Okay, so that applies to him. <laughs> one other thing, it's. You know, the critics are the ones who really understand. They seek to understand the artiste. Right. So, therefore, to be caught is kind of what they want because. Oh, yeah. Some of them so do want to be somebody caught. Understands, they understand what they, why yeah. they, they crave to get into the mind of the other. Let's get out of here. Let's do, let's do another episode. <laughs> and bye. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.